warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces, it's exactly what you think it is. Pieces, absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. Welcome everyone to Pieces in Pieces, a minute-by-minute-ish podcast covering the 1981 or so, or 82 or 83, depending upon your frame of mind, Sizer Film Pieces, directed by J.P. Simon, produced by Dick Randall, starring all sorts of great folks. And we're on the fourth episode here, the proper, for this is going to be the actual fourth episode, folks, not the last thing you heard. This will be the proper fourth episode. And we ended off the last one at, at the end of minute... 10 with uh lieutenant uh what is it i don't know lieutenant bracken that's christopher george's character and um the other guy who's with him his name of sergeant holden bracken and holden being led into dean foley's office as uh, i think as a grace the secretary looks on christopher george is lieutenant bracken frank branya is holden and edmund purdom is dean foley and they're going to discuss the death of apparently virginia palmer who was the gal who got her uh, head cut off of the chainsaw and also may have been on the roller skates. Thank you, Steve. Why? Um, so let me play just a little blast of this and we'll come back and I will tell you um, what, uh, what we're covering in this episode. through 15 that's what we're covering on here we are covering um basically grace hold on my calls to um looking at that skull in uh in professor brown's anatomy class and professor brown says what what is this something the lines of do you think one of the students i should have it playing right here do you think one of the students is involved i suppose it could be one of the students uh, shall i proceed with the tour and then christopher george says well thanks very much and that's the end so we're going from Grace, hold on my calls, more or less, too. Well, uh, thanks very much. It's mostly people talking in this one. There's no music to discuss here, no library music. Uh, and if we had a Spanish soundtrack to discuss, it would just be more of that uh, piano playing over and over. I mentioned that in the, in the addendum, how crazy sort of the percussive um, stuff when the gal is skateboarding is. Um, it's... it's um, it's it's weird that the uh, the uh, the person who did the Spanish score seems to either have like atmospheric, creepy, or pounding away. There's no like dramatic. There's no like someone having fun or something like that. There's just um, I even want. I mean, I know Libertor, What is the person's name? It is. Forgive me. It is. Uh, Librador Pastor. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Um, well, Librador Pastor. It's funny. That's one of those things where it's like, is, is that a real name? Or is that like, um, you know, Killer Fox, Orgasm of Death on Metal Enterprises? You know, the, you know, the, um, 
Elephants, a metal enterprise or something. Is that one of those? Is it like a fake band kind of thing? Is that like a fake name? Because uh, I don't see Mr. Pastor or Ms. Pastor doing a lot of other things uh, when I look them up. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering maybe if it's like Dick Randall just sitting in front of the piano going, Oh, no, I'll play this. No, 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 no. And just like someone teaches him an eerie theme and he plays it over and over again. I don't know. I've never actually watched the Spanish one all the way through just because I don't think it's as much fun. Um, I think the film is very... It's... I don't, I don't know if camp is the word, but it's very silly in some respects. And I think it... it I feel like it kind of maybe knows that it kind of is very silly at times. Not at all times, but possibly. I mean, look at the premise of the film. Someone, I mean, Dick Randall, uh, Dick Randall is the kind of person who would, uh, you know, do that and be like, uh, we're having a bit of a laugh with that one. Um, but anyway, this, so these five minutes are, um, uh, was it uh, the, the Dean, uh, Dean, Dean Foley, although, although, although Christopher George comes like Dean Fowler or something, then Dean Foley, Lieutenant Bracken, Sergeant Holden going into the Dean's office, a bunch of um, students standing in the hallway like they're in high school rather than college, um, gossiping about the waterbed and smoking pot, and one of the best lines ever comes from this scene. It's great. The the grindhouse sets well the the best set like the past what is it i don't want to say the past full decade i'm recording this in april of 2020 but for at least the past like seven or eight years but that's maybe we could go a full decade i mean because sledgehammer i think came out in like 2011 and i was on that which makes it fantastic um but they they've just loaded so many of these films with so much stuff and it's like the the other day okay bit bit of a a bit of a sidetrack here, but there isn't. This is just basically a bunch of people talking, apart from the first. Well, it's, all, it's basically a bunch of people talking, so there isn't as much to go into, especially after the the craziness of the last um, episode and its follow up. But the the um, oh, I so I it was funny. I went on a tangent, then I went on a tangent on that tangent. I forgot what the first tangent was that I wanted to come back to. I'm like I'm putting myself in parentheses and parentheses. I'm a I'm a John Barth uh, short story or a novella. I'm in parentheses, 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 and I'm forgetting how to get myself out of them again. I love like like this one. There are five audio tracks. There's the English track. There's the Spanish track. There is the um, uh, a track with Jack Taylor on it, who who talks about his mustache because he he's in the scene in this and he discusses he discusses Spanish cinema at the time and he discusses that he did have a mustache, but they trimmed it and he said in a very unfortunate way. And he's he's very charming on the on the on the uh, on the commentary. And then like the fourth track is a new soundtrack. I forget who was. I I never actually listened to that at all. And then the fifth one is the I th- I think it's it's is, is it people at the new Bev? Uh, give me a second. The Vine Theater. Oh, I wonder what theater that was. So I've been to theaters on Vine, but I don't know what theater that was where they recorded that. I saw pieces in the theater as I've said before during um. Jeez, whatever February or March that was, the Juno won Best Original Screenplay. Uh, there was a month long of stuff as Pieces and Torso. And I've said this before already, but it was the new Bev. Quentin Tarantino owns it now. I don't know if he owned it then. I think since they were doing an Eli Roth month, they possibly would have owned it. He possibly would have owned it then, but I, I don't know for certain. But that's where I saw it, the big screen. And there weren't a lot of people there because it was kind of an off... I used to go see these films on off times, just in case the crowd was awful, um, which I encountered on more than one occasion. Headless eyes, anyone? 
but but I mean this is yeah so the fifth track is hearing the crowd responding to the movie and it's fun uh but but it's like there's so many extras on here and it's so crazy it's like the other day you know I'm working from home at the moment it's great but the other day I put on Masker Mafia style which I adore the executioners like father like son and I just hit play and I watched the movie and had it playing and I watched it a ton. And then I proceeded to work through all the extras on the thing. And it, literally I spent the day with all the extras. And that's like pieces isn't as in-depth, but boy, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And and I'm trying to like like with these these five minutes, I'm trying to stick with what we have. And like, like I said, the first minute is this weird minute with these these college students acting like high school students. I don't know what you all did when you were in college, but when I finished a class, generally I was going immediately to another class, or I was going to lunch, or I was going to the library, or I was going back to my dorm room, or I was going back to the dorm or the apartment, wherever it was. There there was somewhere else to go. You occasionally. You'd stand in a hallway and chat it with someone. Certainly, of course you would. Um, that would happen. But not like it was high school. Because in high school, you're standing by your lockers. Or you, you're in the same building. Whereas, like, if this is a campus in Boston, there are probably a dozen buildings. And your next your next class could be you know, half a mile away. So so you may want to move it, move it, move it. And uh, but But I like that they that they are chatting and it's five kids who we never kids i don't know who they are uh, we never see again there's that one lead gal who's got kind of a sultry look in her eye and isn't wearing a bra and has got her pectorals um prominently <laughs> displayed and um um what are the pect my friends say they're funny and just jack taylor's got this look on his or professor brown's look on his face like i get this every semester and then when he, he shows her where the pectorals are, um, he just gives her a look. And when he sees the friends laughing, he doesn't he doesn't get annoyed, which I like. The look on his face in the end is like, uh, you kids. And I got to have a good look at your chest. Mm, hey, there are perks. So he walks away. And she has a look on her face like, you can't quite tell what her look is. It's like she looks like she got... Um, bested by him but i i don't quite know i mean was she expecting him to go like right here honk honk you know uh, but instead you know he, he pats his own chest and you know um he's the anatomy professor you know you may want to not try to zing him on those anatomy things I, I never i never fully understood that thing because they're kind of making fun of him but he seems to be in on it and she seems more annoyed at the end of it than by anyone else but like 30 seconds ago she was fine talking about the waterbed and smoking some pot and i don't know it's a fun scene and it's it uh, and then almost immediately it's it's like um you hear like oh yes professor brown I, I, well they don't actually say it's it's him but it's like yes he lives with his mother and he lives alone with his is it alone with his mother? i forget what they say but he lives with his mother and then professor brown walks in and so i guess it's meant to make him seem like a creep but he doesn't really seem like a creep is the problem he seems like a, a decent guy who just happened to stroll by i don't know why he wanted to talk with the dean but he goes to talk to uh, grace hilda fuchs and they have a little chat and you know i was going to do but i'm not i haven't done it yet let me I, I was I, I thought I might kind of since since this isn't some um, kind of strangeness like the first ten minutes have been it's basically uh, and the police aren't even it's it's weird like the police are there but they're not actually doing any investigating it's like it's it's the dean that's doing all the talking and occasionally Professor Arthur Brown fire um, it does uh, like like I said you know I I applaud I applaud the fact that the um, the 
young woman who was killed, her last name was Palmer. That's some, you know, that's telling the future. And I love the fact that it's Professor Arthur Brown. Yes, I've seen your band live. They kicked ass. I was also a big fan of your band Kingdom Come. Uh, not the not the ones that sounded like Led Zeppelin in the late 80s. The, the other one from the late 60s. You may not know them. They were good, though. I think the, the fun thing with the scene where, where to meet, to, to where uh, Professor Brown goes into Grace, the secretary, who's got this word, look at her hair. What's her hair doing? These strange, like, is she is she practicing to be like a, like a Batman villain or, or a mall that, that we don't know of? I, I like when he, he sits down and talks to her because she is, is presenting this one of those. She, she's listening in on the dean's conversation with the um with the two police officers and and it's it's the dean is is like um oh yes they uh they're they're in there and they're they're talking to uh the dean about the murder oh yes i see you have some inside information well i guess we're all interested (laughs) and because he he's jack taylor himself looks like he's totally bored talking with grace like grace has been the dean's secretary for 10 years he's been there for 15 years 20 what he said back in the 60s so this is 81 he's been there at least like over 11 12 years he said that at the end when he's talking about the skull oh that was back in the 60s and so he's been there 11 12 years let's say grace has been there that long maybe longer and you could tell just he's completely bored with grace and he doesn't seem too thrilled to talk with the dean, but he has to. And then the, the gracious, he took the head. What, they can't find the head. What do you think he did with it? And he's just like, oh, God, this conversation again. Now, the now the voice uh, the, that he's dubbed with is kind of going slightly against that. Is a little more like, mm, yes, you have inside information. Yes, we're all interested. Almost, um, he's almost like he's watching, he's doing a Japanese Godzilla film. Yes, Godzilla's on the way. Oh, yes, and Mother is after him kind of thing um but but the thing is of course jack taylor is speaking english uh, and so you know dubbers who are trying to match like japanese are trying to match the mouths as best they can now sometimes they don't and that leads to high hilarity sometimes but um i'm uh, yes i'm not thinking of jimmy the boy wonder animated segment because that's an animated segment it's it's funny like that that guy who's doing the dubbing We've heard him in thousands. He's in Burial Ground. He's in For Your Height Only. He's in everything. And For Your Height Only, I think he does um, uh, uh, Wang Wang's boss in that. You got a bug in your hair. I like the way you pay attention. Oh, it does a whole gang of things. And so he, he can do hilarious stuff. Like in that, he's not trying to match voices at all. He's just being hilarious. But then he can do serious stuff too. Don't ask me to tell you where, but I'm sure he can. But then here he seems a little bit perfunctory, like... You know, Jack Taylor's speaking English, so why not? You don't have to say it that fast. Is he really speaking that fast? It doesn't, on the commentary, it doesn't sound like he's talking that fast. So, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit, uh, it's, yeah, some, some of the, obviously the dubbing in here isn't the best. And luckily, Christopher George and Edmund Purdom are dubbed with their own voices, which is good. And Linda Day George is dubbed with her own voice, which is good. But the others are the, the standard gang who we encounter. I wonder how that worked. If they, like, if they, you know, like if they brought Christopher George and Linda Day in, they're like, "Oh, it's the it's this these guys from Gates of Hell." Or you know, well, no, she was Linda Day wasn't in Gates of Hell, but you you know what I mean? Like, oh, these all from Mortuary or or you know whatever. Oh, well, they didn't dub Mortuary. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but you know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Uh, I you know did it was like, oh, you guys, how how are you gonna do it this time? You're gonna play it serious? You're gonna play it goofy? Well, I'm just gonna follow Jack Taylor's lips and and try to speak. Um, suddenly I thought of the female vampire. With Lena Romay, um, uh, yeah, D- but yeah, this is um, 
so so yeah the dubbing's fun in this and and what once he actually gets in the dean's office the dubbing is is pretty um is is pretty standard um uh although having said that okay no uh, although having said that what i'm going to do is i would like to for just the the last uh, forgive me a second i'm forgive me for a second i'm just going to hop ahead it's interesting because the first two minutes are almost kind of split uh equally like the first minute is with the high the high school the college students and professor brown and then the second minute is um uh professor brown in the office with with the two cops and the dean and then the last minute is more or less professor brown taking them into his office yeah, it's great. So what I'm going to do is, and I will say, I don't, I don't know exactly like where the, um, like where where they should. I mean, all this stuff would have been in the studios, but it's like, like the walls are kind of stained, and there are a few moments where the camera kind of goes up a little too high, and you you don't see like the edge of the set or anything like that or lights but it goes up a little too high jerry paris style in happy days you know it goes up a little too high and then right on the dean's right we have an almost completely curtained wall which is one of my all-time favorite things because when the dean went into that room earlier it's it's but did you notice this when the dean welcomed the cops in and they're in the secretary's office. They step into the dean's office, and you can see through. You can see as they're stepping in. You could see a window in the dean's office that's open, and you can see like trees and things. But the whole time they're in the dean's office, that whole wall is covered with a curtain, as if possibly the two sets weren't adjacent and they weren't really looking outside. I I think was it was I think it was Wizard of Gore was the first film I ever watched. I think it was Wizard of Gore. I don't have my copy available at the moment. I do have a copy. Uh but but I think there's a scene in that is it near the end where um there's there's a set maybe there's a bed in it or something and like the entire wall behind them is a giant curtain. And I remember sitting there watching that scene and it was only like maybe 2 or 3 minutes in where I was like What's that curtain about? What's going on there? And that's one of my favorite things in low-budget exploitation movies is when you get... uh, They're in a room where one of the walls is completely curtained. So you'll see, like, in in this set, the, the professor walks in the door, and that's supposed to be from the secretary's office. Now, you'll see there are curtains... Uh, there are curtains, and and when when the I'm just going to look to see real quick. I just want to see when Professor Brown steps in. You see, you do see like uh, some frames and things in the background, but you don't see a set. You just see what you need to see in the background, and there are curtains in front of the windows, so you can't see the secretary set. So that's one wall, and then let let's let well let's call the curtain wall the north wall. So the west wall is with the doors. Arthur Brown walks in. The north wall is the giant curtain wall. The east wall is the wall with the bookcases, the dean's bookcases. And the south wall is the wall we don't see because it doesn't exist. And um, and again, if you're, if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, Dan, who cares? that's part of the fun of watching it is, is t- to me is like, like, like why when the dean stepped in the what what was the the first thing he did was immediately pull this huge curtain closed you know i'll go back to the beginning of the minute and i'll look to see if i can see a huge curtain right there hmm i had a look and there is a table with all sorts of 
I guess trophies, they look mostly like urns and things, in front of the desk, which you can see as the guys are... I bet the two sets are, are, are built um, right next to each other. I'm just wondering about the curtain, because when they're walking in, the, there's a table there with all the urns and trophies or whatever is on them. Um, but the, the window, it's just like a little sort of Laverne and Shirley style, we live in the basement window, kind of slit across the top. But now he pulled the into why did he pull the entire curtain shut if it was only that little window? And and there is a little light shining up at the top. Now my talk about sets, I'm just I'm just intrigued. I bet they, they built the two sets next to each other, but why then did they have to maybe it didn't look real at all. Maybe it just looked completely fake the outside, so they pulled the curtain shut. But it just draws attention to the fact that we saw the windows and now there are curtains in front of it. But it doesn't matter in the end, because the gang's ish here the the gang is ish here i say ish here like our main characters aren't really quite here yet although christopher george is there like like i said the cops don't really do much in this scene so what i'm going to do is i'm just going to um and I, I i've done this with a few of my previous minute by minutes um but i haven't really done it with this and i'm only going to do it with this because it's like three minutes right here and i'm going to go through them really quickly so we're um, 12 minutes and 12 seconds in right here and Professor Brown is coming in and so what I just want to do is I don't, what is the Dean looking at? He's just looking at like a random expense report or something come on Dean. He, he's got like a paper in his hand like he's looking at something important but I um, I don't see that that's anything important. Um, yeah I bet they are sets right I'm sure they're sets right on top of one another it's just why cover the window then if the, if the, if the, if the outside was so high up why I don't know. That that makes it strange to me. The fact that they had to cover the fact that you can see out the window when you're in the secretary's office, but then they have to cover the window when you see the um, when you're actually in the room is weird to me. That saying there's something going on probably it looked like crap. So I'm just going to real quick tear through the next three minutes. I'm just going to go through because there's a bunch of not really exposition. Who cares about the exposition? But I'm going to just tear through it real quick. So Arthur Brown is, is coming up alongside the, the desk and the dean is there and, and Lieutenant Bracken his pal is it I forget now is it Sergeant Holden Sergeant Holden Bracken and Holden are are sitting uh, uh, there listening and um, and everyone's there and we're li listen to me talk about this so yeah Professor Brown is asked to um, show the cops around he doesn't have any more classes today and we do get a shot from sort of more or less uh, Professor Brown's um, point of view where we do see a bit of the south wall uh, which is which is fun we do see a bit of the south wall behind him which is fun and there's like a, 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 a table with a, a flower pot on it and not much else because they probably would have just thrown something up real quick right in there I, I will say that whenever they cut to the shot of the professor kind of looking disapproving or just kind of like mm, slightly suspicious as the dean is talking to him look at look at the lamp and the wall thing over on the left there's like the lamp and maybe like three feet above it there's like a, a wall like a like a, a beam or something but when it cuts to the long shot there's no beam there where's the beam uh which maybe they are and 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 the curtain is right up against that beam and i don't know that doesn't yeah that doesn't 
they're they're in two different spots is what it is um which is wacky um or maybe they're not in two different spots but it's just weird continuity but look at the continuity between the you know the 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 wall the lamp in the corner the curtain what's above the lamp the presser brown where the dean is and then christopher george keeps giving him looks and you know it's like she was in your class wasn't she as she was and you know please show them anything they may wish to see and he teaches anatomy and you know and and of course the dean is very congenial you know like come on back to me and he he wants it um in in i don't know i guess, I guess from jaws up he he does kind of the uh you know let's not we we want to um uh, help the university out you know we don't want this to be leaked out and he does not as you notice he does not mention in uh any way shape or form the uh the gal who ran into a mirror so again you know here it is i'm looking i'm looking i've got the i, I said this last like i've got the nude puzzle right in front of me here and i'm taking a long look at it and i actually looked up on imdb or somewhere they have the actress's name who posed for the nude puzzle or i don't know this is i mean they they use catalog music this is probably a catalog image um and she was an actual actress who was in things um and you know, now we basically know her for being on a bloody puzzle in a strange slasher film made in the early 80s. Uh, so, so, so again, what's going on is, um, uh, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the dean wants uh, Professor Brown to show them around. He doesn't know the gal that well. He doesn't think she can be that helpful. But the, the dean is very much like, oh, yes, you can help. And every time they cut to Professor Brown, I just keep seeing that beam or whatever it is on the left side and going, where is he? And there's some sort of... Um, is that the Massachusetts flag? Because they have the American flag on, 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 on to the dean's right, like our lap, like, like the, and and you, you see the American flag and behind it. There's like a, the, you can see a framed picture, probably of Reagan, I would guess, but I don't, I don't, I don't see the who's in the picture in this. They have it blocked off, but you can see another flag in the corner. I'm gonna look to see if that's. I would guess that's the Massachusetts, Massachusetts, Massachusetts flag. Um, and then they have the other table with the stuff. So they are they are trying to make it re like a real room. Um, and actually, they're succeeding the more I look at it and the more I enjoy it. And so, yeah, Professor Brown will take care of you. The The dean's very busy and he has to look after the whole blessed campus. And the, um, the uh, you know, the, uh, the professor only has his department. They all take off. And, um, yeah, there's no beam or whatever it is in the corner there. And then um, we'll hop ahead to um, uh, basically near the end of minute 14 where they're all chatting and walking down the hall together and, and um, you know, the uh, uh, Lieutenant Bracken is smoking his cigars and um, uh, his Sergeant Holden is, is telling him to knock it off and uh, uh, Professor Brown looks very uncomfortable as he's at, did you run around with a lot of guys? And I, I like that because it's like, I didn't know her very well. Okay, yeah, well, did you run around with a lot of guys? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat the first thing I said. I didn't know her very well. So then at that point, we go back into his um, uh, classroom, the, uh, Professor Brown's classroom, which has a strange crack in the wall. I mean, this is... Um, I, I feel like if any of the students were to trip and fall against a wall, this whole school would fall down. He's got a nice anatomy room. He's got, he's got a few like anatomy post, uh, posters or things up against the wall, which I feel like if you hit them with a, like, a, like a pointer, they become like Terry Gilliam animations and they leap off and they do something crazy. Um, there's, there, uh, it, 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 it's, it's odd. Um, I think Christopher George is starting to look very, um, he's looking a little sickly 
to me in this. Do you, do you guys not see that too? Um, I mean, he looked fine in Gates of Hell. Um, but this is a year or so later. And he's looking a little sickly. Especially when you see Linda Day and you see how uh, robust she is. And if you hop back to something like, say, Escape from like 71, 72 or The Immortal. He, uh, Christopher George is starting to look like an old guy. And he was not an old guy, and that's making me a little sad. Uh, but but in in true sort of Dick Randall, J.P. Simon, we don't know how human beings work fashion. Yeah, the um the professor holds up this skull and says, "Yes, this is a skull that one of my students gave me. It's a sixteen-year-old girl. I don't know where he got it." Oh, and then there's this awkward line like, uh, yeah, uh, we want to talk to that kid or something. like. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that kid. What's his name? And it was years ago, back in the 60s. And, you know, that's when, when the professor's like, do you think one of the students did it? It's whatever. Or one of the boys did it. Uh, oh, and of course, at that moment, I guess we'll wrap it up after this because we're at the end of the minute. But at that moment, um, uh, Sergeant Holden uh, says one of my all-time favorite lines in anything, which is, we're just out buying clothes without labels and trying them on for size. Um, and uh, if you, uh, yeah, you know, it's like, what have you guys found? What are you looking for? What do you need? What's going on? Uh, we don't know yet. We're just out trying on the thing and the labels and the size and the, it's such a great goofball line. It's, and I like the I like the line because it's a line that makes sense in English. So it was probably written by Dick Randall or his co-writer in English. So it isn't something that was like a Spanish line that was translated. I think this is just a goofball line, and um, I'd love to say that it's the most serious line in the movie, but but I don't know that it is. Uh, so yeah, just the moment, the minute ends with, I think she was quite popular. Do you think it could be one of the students? Uh, should I proceed with the tour? And then thanks very much. And that's where the, uh, minutes end. And so what, what, what do we learn from these minutes? Um, that professor Brown, it's, it's weird. Professor Brown to me doesn't seem particularly suspicious, but the dialogue and a few of the things he does, like the thing with the skull are kind of like, mm, yeah, he's being, he, they're making him be suspicious. Lieutenant Bracken, Sergeant Holden, they haven't done much yet apart from Sergeant Holden's awesome line. Lieutenant Bracken likes to smoke cigars. The dean, of course, is doing the standard sort of, I'd like to protect the university at all costs. And the, the secretary is, you know, eavesdropping and she has her own theories. And the students want professors to look at their boobs. That's kind of mainly what's going on in these five minutes, everyone. So we're setting it up, and we get we get a we get some red herrings, and I, I guess Professor Brown is our big red herring. Although I I watch him, and I think really, I mean I I don't think there could be anything further away, farther, further, farther away from being a red herring. But maybe he is, maybe he isn't. So that is taking us up to minute fifteen of pieces, and for the next episode, we'll be covering whatever's next. I think we'll meet uh, Willard the gardener who Grace mentions. Oh, poor Willard who found the body. Because Willard's supposed to be the gardener, but the killer could be Willard, pretended to be the gardener, and killed the young lady who we talked about in great detail elsewhere. So that is episode four of Pieces and Pieces, minute-by-minute-ish podcast covering pieces. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, what what can you do? I don't know. What can you do? Uh I, you know, Danny Slacks, D-A-N-N-Y-S-L-A-C-K-S at yahoo.com. You can go on 
eventually supertrain.blogspot.com. You can find me. I'm out there. Just just shoot me a, a message. If I mean, if if you know some stuff I don't know about this, like I said, I'm. Uh, half of this, there is some research done, but there's also half of this is flying by the seat of my pants because I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I mean, literally, like you guys have been listening to me talking for about a half an hour. It was probably 15 minutes before this half an hour ends of the recording that I'm doing, if that makes sense, when I decided what I was going to cover. So you, you're always, I have no idea what's next. The next episode could be one minute. The next episode could be 10. It could be three, four, five, six. It could be the rest of the movie. It's not going to be the rest of the movie. So if whenever Kendall shows up, I, I guess since Kendall hasn't shown up yet, he would be a stopping point unless he shows up like 30 seconds into this next one. Uh, and then when Linda D. George's character shows up, maybe the next killing, like the aerobics. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I can't wait for some of the aerobics. <clears throat> now I want to watch some aerobics. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dan, and this music explains itself. Mm-hmm.